time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Let me be the first to admit that I'm not a list maker. I know that there are people around me who love to make lists. My wife loves to make lists. My daughter loves to make lists. My son and I are not so much about lists. But that doesn't mean that I haven't always been ungoal oriented. Some people think, you know, if you've got a list, you've got your goals. And what I've discovered is that goals sometimes get in our way. But let me be very clear that for a long time, I tried to live out of my goals. I tried to create these big goals to move towards. And what I found was, it often got me very stuck. In fact, so stuck that I couldn't get to where I wanted to get to. And I realized some time ago that one of the issues was because I was setting goals. I needed to get rid of the goals. Sometimes we find that the goals themselves keep us stuck, and sometimes it's the chasing of the goals that keep us stuck. And the fact is that that's just the nature of goals. Here's why. When you have a goal, it's usually way out there and it usually is overwhelming and it often is not anything even that you have full control over. And so it's almost a setup for failure. And let's say you even do get to your goal. You've only managed to get to your goal. Up until then, you were playing behind the goal. You were losing until you got to break even. And then you just break even. Not many times do people actually exceed their goal. And I've seen what happens many times when people do meet their goal. It rarely lasts, but depending on what that goal is. For instance, I remember years ago, I had a colleague who was deciding to lose weight and he was really wanting to, to trim down. There were some health reasons and other reasons. And so he jumped on the Atkins diet bandwagon and it worked. The drop of weight was incredible. It was like the fat was just disappearing from his body and he was doing great. He had a goal of losing 40 pounds. And he managed to lose 40 pounds, shoveling down a lot of bacon, a lot of peanuts, and a lot of other meats. But he managed to get to his target weight. He met his goal. And guess what happened next? He began to gain weight again because there had not been really a shift in his life. He only had a goal that he had made. Now, let me be very clear that there are times when we get to goals. And in fact, I think that's one of the ways that we get suckered into goals because we hear the stories of people who met their goals. And so we go, oh, wow, you know, they met their goals because they had a goal and they're the ones that are celebrated. They're the ones that we see on uh, the top of the scoreboards and, you know, getting medals and receiving awards and we're fooled into it. And we're also fooled into believing that what got them there were their goals. I don't think that the goals were the issue. I don't even think that the goals were what kept them moving forward. I can tell you for me that my goals kept me locked in place. In fact, I can think back on many times when my goals got me into more trouble than not. I think back on when I was working on my doctorate and I had a dissertation to write and I could not get that thing written, even though I had a goal of getting that degree and finishing that dissertation. I just could not get there. Goals can keep us stuck. And the reason is, I would give four. One, most fail. Most of the time, we don't even get to the goals we set. Think about this. How many times have you set a goal on, say, New Year's Eve? We call them a resolution, but they're just a goal, right? 
And by about mid-January, you've either forgotten about or fallen off that goal. And, and if not, then by February or March, that's fallen off. We know that because we can look at when they start advertising for gym memberships and for weight loss programs and all kinds of other good stuff. When do they do it? Well, sometime in December, mid-December. And then they really speed it up between that week of Christmas and New Year because they know that you're going to be making resolutions and looking for ways of enforcing that. So then a couple of weeks after the New Year's, they're all gung-ho about selling you that gym membership. Now, here's a little secret about those gyms. They don't want you to come. They want you to sign up and they want you to pay, but they don't really want you to come. And so it's a beautiful model for them because come New Year's Day, you've made your resolution and new, the day after you go back to work and you sign up for that gym and you are gung-ho and then you slowly taper off. I know that because I used to go on a regular basis to the gym and I realized that come about January 2nd, I was going to have to wait my turn for any equipment and I just didn't need to go. And I wasn't going to have to wait my turn again until about spring break when people suddenly went, wow, I'm going on a trip and I need to look better. And then it would slack off again until sometime around June when people start beginning beginning to want to get ready for vacation. But that was the fluctuation of the year, not the goals there. The goals would disappear. So most people fail at their goals anyway. More than that, oftentimes it even includes another person or another event or something over which you don't have control, people or person. So let's say you have a goal of perhaps saving your marriage. Well, you only have a part of that. There's another person involved in that. Or let's say you have a goal of having a best-selling book. There are a lot of people that have to help you along with that goal by buying the book. Or let's say that you want to make a team, right? You have a goal of being on that rugby team or a football team or a soccer team. And so you set out for that, but somebody else has to pick you to be on that team. And you're up against other people who are doing the same thing. They're up against that goal too. And I don't know what you remember about high school, but I remember very well that everybody might have the same goal of getting on the team, but there were only a certain number who were going to make it. Everybody else lost their goal. Then there is the problem that if you do get to your goal, all you've done is broken even. So let's say I have a goal of making a team and I actually do get on the team. So now I've all I've done is met my goal. I could either have failed from my goal or just met it. That's it. And and so at that point, there's not a, a great deal that happens, you know. So when I talk with people who have gotten to a goal, they go, well, you know, what's next? Like my friend who lost weight. Well, what was next? Not maintenance. He'd met his goal and then it began to slip away. And then there's another big reason that I think goals get in our way. They can be paralyzing because a goal is a distant point. If I'm standing on the bottom of uh, the Himalayans and I'm looking up and there is Mount Everest on the horizon, it's not a great thing to just say, well, that's my goal. I'm going to get to the top. Because it's overwhelming, all of the logistics, when you start thinking, okay, what do I have to do to get there? I have to get to base camp, and then I have to have this gear, and then I have to plan to go up, and I have to have a guide to help me across, and I have all this equipment, and on and on it goes. Because the goal is way out there in the future, and between you and the goal are a lot of details that keep you trapped and often can keep us paralyzed. Now, let me be very clear that I don't believe you can completely get rid of goals in our minds, because... We humans are natural goal makers. We have to be careful, though, of how we allow that to to operate and how we allow that to uh, take over our brain and how we keep it from happening. 
Goals just are the way we operate. You know, if you're standing on the end of something and you're looking over at that horizon and you're seeing that mountain to climb, you naturally go, I want to get to the top of the mountain. I want to get to that place. It sets a possibility. That's the way our brain works. We're looking for possibilities and it makes you want to get there. There's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes we get captured by that and nothing else happens. I remember a few years back, I was on an adventure race team and we were faced with a 24-hour adventure race. Our goal was to keep racing for all 24 hours. And our, really, our goal was to end up in the top five or so uh, teams in our age division. That was our goal. And I realized along the way that that began to feel very overwhelming. And we had to make a switch. We couldn't just have the goal of that that way out there 24 hours. It reminds me of the people I know in recovery programs that want to be sober the rest of their life, but they don't say my goal is to never have a drink again or never take a drug again or never to gamble again or whatever their addiction is. Instead, they say my goal is today, today, one day at a time, I'm going to do that, which brings us down to what we do instead of the goal. And that is process. I call it process. Process is not how to get to a goal, although it might get you to the goal. Process is a little bit different. Process is how you're going to live through something, how you're going to make changes. And by the way, those changes will move you towards what that goal might have been in the past, but it changes the arrangement just a little bit. And this is not just a mind game. This is a piece that helps you rebuild and redecide on how you're going to move forward. For example, You can say, I have this goal of losing 40 pounds like my friend did, and you might want to drop that goal. You might want to decide that your goal is to feel better, and that's fine. And you might even say you want to lose some weight. But what if you were to adopt a process instead? And the process is that you're going to eat healthily every day. See, the goal is out there of losing weight, and and then there are all these issues of how you're going to do that. But if you just focus on the process of eating healthily every day, that changes it because now it's that one day. Now it's deciding how you're going to do that, and you might even have subsets of your, your process. So your process is, I'm going to eat healthily every day. And one way I'm going to do that is I'm not going to order a soft drink today, and I'm not going to have dessert today, and I'm not going to go back for seconds today. Or I'm only going to eat whole foods today. Or I'm only going to eat no carbs today or something like that. And so then you begin to adapt to the process because you're adopting the process that you're going to follow. And it's much easier to follow the process than to chase the goal. Because when you follow the process, that's the incremental pieces that you can manage. Or let's say you decide that you want to get a six pack. And I'm not talking about a six pack of soft drink or beer, but a six pack on your belly. And you decide that the way to do that is to uh, change some big lifestyle thing in your life. And and it's very hard to do because it's just a goal of a six pack pack out there, right? Of maybe you want to show off those abs at the beach or, or for somebody else. And so we have that as this goal. But what if you use the process that instead of that, what you're going to choose to do is exercise X amounts of time per week, uh, or every day you're going to do a certain amount. You're going to follow some routine. You're going to find a program to follow step by step. That's the process behind it. And then you don't have to worry about the goal. 
Because let's face it, that goal may be a bit unattainable. If you don't know the truth about having a six-pack, it means that you have to have a body mass index, not a body mass index. Let's go back to a fat content. If you look at the fat content, you have to be at less than 10% body fat. That's a pretty lean person who is being very careful about what they put in their body and really not attainable by a whole lot of people. And so when we choose that as the goal, we're setting ourselves up already for a very difficult time. And the real question is, what are we trying to do? And many times we need to look at what's behind that. Why do we want to lose weight to feel better? Okay, what is the process of feeling better? Why do we want to have a six-pack? Well, to be more attractive. Okay, now we're at something that's a little more controllable without having to have that ultimate goal. So when we begin to switch it, things begin to change because we don't have to get caught up in that goal. We can work on the process and the subsets of that process along the way. Let's say you want to write a bestseller. Well, that's a great thing to do, except for bestseller is a little bit out of your reach, unless you're the very rich. You know, we are very clear now that people with a lot of money can rig the system and make sure that their book is bought by their friends and families and companies and other people to rig the system and get to be a bestseller. So unless you're willing to spend somewhere upward of $100,000 to get all that done, you are only able to write the book, not make it a bestseller. And so then we look at the process. Not, I'm going to write a bestseller, but I'm going to write X number of pages per day. That is a different matter. One of my mentors, Wayne Oates, was a dear man and the reason I came to the graduate school I chose. And I followed him because of how much he was writing. There were great books that I was reading of his work and great papers he was putting out. And I finally found the secret to how he did it. His secret was the process. He wrote 15 pages every day. And if he got up early and he finished by noon, he was done with his writing for the day. If he got up and he went to his job and he came back and he still had to write and he would write until three in the morning, so be it. He was going to write 15 pages a day. That was his process. And guess what? If you write 15 pages a day, you're writing a book a month. And it doesn't all have to be good to trim it down. Let's say that half of what you write is bad. You're still down to six books a year. And that was his production plan. And I know that because he let me know that when I was getting stuck. Back to my dissertation. I was stuck on that dissertation because I had in my head that I had this goal of writing the best dissertation that had ever been there, the best piece on this one topic that I was wanting to cover. Well, the problem with that was it was completely out of my grasp. How could I write the best? Who was going to judge that? And how was I supposed to know if I had the best even in my area? But that was what was stuck in my head. That was the expectation that I carried forward. And that kept me frozen. Now, one of the ways that I got unfrozen was I went to my supervising professor and I said, I'm just having a hard time doing this. And He said, you're trying too hard here. And I said, no, I'm just trying to do a good job. He said, no, you're trying to do the best job, aren't you? And I said, well, maybe. He said, well, let's go for a walk. So he and I walked across campus. We went into the library and my professor had me pull his dissertation out of the stack. And he said, open it up. And I said, okay. So I opened it up and there in the cover was the card to check it out. He said, how many people have checked it out? I said, wow, it's, it's been checked out four times. He said, right, three of those are mine. So one other person has actually read this since I created it. 
I said, oh, so what you're saying is give up on it having to be the best. And he said, you have to write it. That's what you have to do. What happens after that, that's not what you have to control. In other words, he was saying, give up on the goal, follow the process. So then I met with my whole committee and I was talking about my struggles with that. And I remember Wayne Oates, who was just sitting in on that committee with me to help. He said, I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to walk to the library. You need to walk up to your study, Carol. You need to pull out a bottle of glue, squirt it in that seat and sit down because that's how this happens. He was naming a process that if I would sit down and start writing, the rest took care of itself. But if I was always going, gosh, I've got to write this 250 page dissertation, I was frozen without looking at all I've got to do today is write five pages. That's my goal. Write five pages. As that happened, I began to realize the power of the process over the goal. Scott Adams, who you may know as the creator of Dilbert, wrote a book, How to Fail at Almost Everything and Still Win Big. And in that book, he talks about all the failures of his life that have gotten him to be the success that he's been today. And one of the things that he talks about there is having a system. He says, put the systems in place on how you want to live your day, your life day by day. That's different than having the goals. He's like me. He says, get rid of the goals and have the systems. I call them process. He calls them system, but we're talking about the same thing. If you have a system in place, today I'm going to eat healthily. Today I'm going to take a walk. Then it begins to change things. I have a habit of getting up in the morning and getting things started and, and going through what emails I can and, and kind of getting the day started and then taking a break. And I walk three miles a day with my dog. The reason I do that is because that's my system. It keeps me sane because I have a chance to reflect on life and to think about things, to spend a little time with my dog, to walk in the neighborhood and take care of some fitness issues for myself. And so it's a win, 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 win for me, but I don't have a goal of walking X number of miles per year. I just have a goal of today. I'm going to walk those three miles and also usually have that walk at the end of the day, if it's at all possible. That is part of my system. I have systems around what I'll eat and how I'll choose to eat. And I have systems around how I create material for the internet, how I do a podcast and how I write a book. And I have these systems in place because I realized my goals killed me. Proof is that I was trying to write a book about thriving and I found myself in the same stuck spot that I was before because Instead of it being just a matter of writing per day like I usually do, I made it into this thing that had to happen because it had to be the book on thriving. And then I realized that I had to only write. My process was to write, to podcast, to begin to pull that material together. That's the difference between having that goal that freezes you and that even if you move towards it only gets you to even and having a process or having a system. So let me invite you to make that shift. There are four things that happen when you make that shift. First, you're always choosing things that are fully in your control. I can get up and walk, at least right now in the health position that I'm in now, I can get up and walk every morning three miles. Someday I might not be able to do that and I'll have to change that system, but it'll still be something I can do within my control. The second thing is it makes it very manageable. I can get up and the interesting thing is that as I'm doing that, I do it through the year, almost regardless of the weather. A few days in the year, it might be just way too cold or way too messy, but generally every day I'm going to do that. That's a manageable step. 
I'm not saying for the next 30 years, I'm going to walk three miles a day, but I'm saying today I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk those miles and I'm going to take my dog with me. That's a manageable step. Back to my adventure race. We had to shift from we're going to survive these 24 hours of racing to let's make it to the next site. Let's make it to that next place. Let's work through where we are right now. Let's focus on the miles that we have right now. Let's focus on this 15 minutes. And I'll, I'll say that at one point in the race, I was just committed to the next five minutes. Every stage, I was committed to only the next five minutes. And that made it a manageable step. I never promised at that midpoint of the race to finish or even to be in the top five, but only to go the next five minutes as part of the team. It became manageable. The third thing is that generally when we have these processes or as Adams calls them systems, it's recoverable. So let's say I wake up and I forget that I wanted to walk today. Well, tomorrow I can walk. Because that step that didn't happen today, that process, that system that didn't happen today, I can just pick up tomorrow and do it again. Same with people with anything else. You you miss an exercise time. If you're working on that six-pack, wow, that could feel detrimental. But if you're just deciding to feel better, then the next day you decide that you can get back up and do it again. Or let's say you've decided to gain weight, to, to lose weight, and then the next day you get up and you've done really well, but you find that you've actually gained a pound or so. Well, if you're working on the goal thing, you'll punish yourself, you'll be angry, you'll be upset with yourself, you'll be stuck. But if you say, okay, my system is to eat healthily, not get that soft drink, not eat that sugar, then you get back to that as recoverable. And if all your focus is on that goal of losing the weight, not eating better, not being more healthy, then you're at the mercy of your scale. And let's say you've been exercising and really following that and you want to lose 40 pounds. The problem is what you're doing in the meantime is also gaining some muscle, which is a really good thing. If your goal is the loss, you're working against yourself as you're exercising and building the muscle rather than saying, I'm just going to be more healthy. I'm going to do it this way. This is the system I have. This is the process I have per day. So it's recoverable to follow those steps. And the fourth thing is it's immediate. It's not the top of Everest. It's taking the next step and it's having the right equipment for that next step. And it's having connected with the right people. And at each step, all you're doing is following your process or your system. So let me just invite you to give up your goals. Not that they will just disappear, but you give up your motivation by goal and switch to following your process, following your system and making that one step at a time. If this has been helpful, you could do a couple of things to help. One is to share it. Just below, if you're on my webpage, there are a lot of share buttons, and it's a great way of helping. And if you're not on, if you're just listening to this on your phone, just pull it up, open up your Twitter, and, uh, and or open up your browser. You don't have to do Twitter, and open up your browser and type in uh, thrivology.com slash love, thrivology.com slash L-O-V-E, and hit that will automatically create a, a tweet that you can just hit send right in there. That's a great way of helping. Or if you really like this, 
go to the iTunes or the Stitcher uh, device and or, or app and give me a review. Leave a review. I review all the reviews. I listen to them and pay attention. But more than that, it helps people find this. And so that's a way of kind of giving back. And if you say, yeah, but I want to give back a little bit more. Consider being a patron. It's a way of just giving a, a couple of dollars, just throwing a couple of dollars in the pot for each episode, just so that I can kind of pay the bills that are necessary for this and make sure this keeps going. And you can do that by going to uh, thrivology.com slash patron, P-A-T-R-O-N, or you can click the Patreon banner that's right beside the podcast on my website on thrivology.com. And just decide maybe a dollar, just a little bit, a couple of dollars per episode. And when that becomes collective, wow, what a difference it makes. So we keep helping others thrive. This is Lee Balkum wishing you a thriving life. listening to the Thrivology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T H R I V E O L O G Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Uh-huh.